What's a church? I reckon people have all sorts of ideas about what a church is. Um, some people would say that church, a church, is basically just a building. And so literally it's just like, like a picture up here. It's just a building. It's a place that you literally go and visit. I went into a church and then I left that church. It's the place that you hide from vampires when you're in a movie getting chased by vampires or whatever, you know. Church, you just, you, you, you hide in them, they're, they're buildings, they're holy places and all that kind of stuff. Some people think that, uh, the church or a church is like, like an institution, like a whole bunch of kind of powerful, important people who wear funny hats like the Pope and all that kind of stuff. Um, some people say that this is the church. That's what they mean when they say the church. Now, None of those ideas really capture what church is. Church pretty much is a strange definition, but church is pretty much a party centered around Jesus. The word church in the Bible literally means gathering. That's what it means. That's, that's, that's all it means. The same word that's used to describe, that, that is translated church, is also used when they're talking about a gathering of people who got together to have a riot. It's just a gathering. It's just a, a bunch of people getting together. And so the church is a gathering or a party centered around Jesus. That's what it is. Which means, if you think about it, it means that right now you guys are actually at church. That's where you are right now. Youth group is a church. If you come here every week and you're a Christian, this is in fact your church. So there's our church. That's church right there. There it is. Now, some of you guys might be like, we better get rid of that picture, or you'd be like, I can't see myself. I was looking at that picture all week. It's a good picture. Now, some of you guys might be like, well, hang on a second. I didn't sign up for church. I just came here to hang out with some girl and play ping pong. Well, yep, surprise, you're at church, all right? There, you got sucked into it. You've turned up to a church. Now, this is the second talk tonight in, um, in a series that's called uh, Why Are We on the Planet? That's the series. That's pretty much what we're talking about. What's the point of life? Sounds, that's hectic church over there right now. Woo! <laughs> we better shut up those windows, I reckon. We'll pull those windows. Uh, cool, cool. This <laughs> is going crazy out there. All right, there's a second talk in a series called Why Are We On The Planet? Um, and, and last week was the first talk, and what we saw was that we're on the planet to, to magnify God, to glorify God is another way of saying that, which just means kind of showing the world God's awesomeness. Now, tonight we're looking like we looked at a word that started with M last week called magnification. It's a big word. Tonight we're also looking at the same thing using a fancy word called membership, but we're just talking about church, basically. And so we're going to be talking about why the church matters. And so that's what we're going to look at. But I actually want you guys to have a think about that question before we look at what the Bible says. So there's the question. Why does church matter? I want you guys to talk about it and then give me your ideas. So talk to the person next to you. If you're new and you're like, oh, I don't know, man, just like be friendly and talk to each other. But if not, talk about that question and I'll get your ideas. What do you reckon? All right, that'll do this. What do you reckon? Why does church matter? What do you got? It matters for fellowship. That's a funny word that only Christians... Oh, yeah. That's a funny word that only Christians would use. But yeah, fellowship, hanging out together. Yep. Yeah, Yanni. Yep.
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, church is like a small reflection of what's coming in the future in heaven. That's good. What else? Accountability. Accountability. That's another Christian word, hey? Accountability. Yeah, absolutely. So keeping each other accountable to the things we want to be doing in life. Yep. Yeah, helps you understand the Bible better. Yep. Encourage one another. That's a good word. Yep. Yep. For uh, the sake of our maturity as Christians, yep. Why else? Any others? The family God saved us into. Cool. So church is the family that God saved us into. Yeah, that's really good stuff. There's a bunch of good stuff there. One, uh, one more. Yeah. Yeah, to, to, wor- to, to worship God together as a big group. Yeah, it's a great thing to do. All right, I've got three big reasons tonight from the Bible why church matters, and they're huge, and so here they are. Number one, first of all, church matters, broadly speaking, for your sake. It matters for you guys. Open up to Hebrews chapter 10, which was read for us there before, and look at verse 24 and 25 again. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, church matters heaps because it's where you will get encouraged to live as a Christian. Now, in those verses, you can see that it's clear that, um, that at least a part of our goal as Christians is to live with love and good deeds in our life. So we're saved by grace, by Jesus, to live a life full of love and good deeds. But how do we pull that off? Well, in this passage, it says you meet together as Christians and you spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, spur is a funny word. There used to be a restaurant that closed down at Arena, but it's also like those boots, like they're the things that you dig into horses to make them go faster, which sounds pretty brutal, but they're the spiky thing that you kind of urge a horse on with, and so it's saying that Christians meet together to urge each other on, to spur each other on. And so sometimes, if you're a Christian and you're a youth group, you'll feel like people are maybe trying to hurt you in the things that they say or do, but it may not be the case. What they may be doing is they're actually spurring you on as a Christian, trying to encourage you, but it doesn't feel pleasant to get spurred sometimes. That's what's going on as we meet. We're spurring one another on to, to live for Jesus. Now, think about this question for a second. Are you someone who struggles to live your life the way you know God wants you to live? Is that you? You'd say, yeah, I want to say that I'm a Christian, but man, it's pretty hard to live like one. If that is you, it could be that the reason you're having such a battle and having such a hard time is perhaps you're not meeting with Christians as much as you should be. That could be one of the big reasons why you're struggling in Christian life, if you are struggling. If you're lazy with gathering together, if you're lazy with with church, with youth group, uh, then it's going to make life hard. And in fact, I'd go as far as to say that if you give up on meeting with other Christians and stop doing that, you'll be lucky if you're still a Christian in a couple of years' time. You probably won't make it as a Christian. I've seen heaps, too many, I've seen too many young people your age give up on following Jesus. And they never... Not often have I ever seen people give up on following Jesus in the context of going to youth and going to church. Here's what happens. They give up on gathering with Christians first, then they give up on Jesus. So they go, oh, I'm a Christian, but I just couldn't really be bothered to come to youth and do all this kind of stuff. 
um, you know, I'm still a Christian, I'm just not going to come anymore. And then you talk to them a few months later and they'll go, yeah, I'm still a Christian, I'm just not a very serious one. I've also got a lot of other stuff going on in my life and that's pretty important to me. I'm just putting that first for now. I'll think about it later. And then you talk to them a year later and they go, yeah, I'm not a Christian. <laughs> that's pretty much how I've seen most people fall away from following Jesus. It's a slow thing that happens when you give up meeting with other Christians. So church matters for your sake. You need to meet together so you can be encouraged by the Christians. Here's the second point. It's pretty simple and it's pretty much the reverse of that one. Secondly, 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 church matters for the sake of others. It matters for the sake of others. Your mates need your encouragement. Your mates need you to spur them on as Christians. It's the same point from Hebrews chapter 10 again. Don't give up meeting together like some people have been doing. Instead, meet together and spur one another on. And so every time you miss youth, for whatever reason, I mean, sometimes there's good reasons to be away from the gathering, but when you do that, what you're doing is you're robbing your mates of yourself. It's a weird way to think, but it's true. You're missed every time you're not here because you rob your mates of yourself. We, we do a thing called disciple time over there because we want to create a culture in EV Youth where we're on about encouraging each other and spurring one another on. And we don't do it so it's like, oh, this is a bit where we're encouraging. We talk about Jesus for five minutes. How you doing, little kid? Blah, blah, blah. Cool, now I don't have to talk about Jesus anymore for the rest of the night. No, it's meant to be a thing that kind of sparks a culture that will snowball through the whole gathering that we have so that you guys are in the habit of not just sitting here and watching you, but being a part of it and encouraging each other and spurring one another on. That's why we're doing that disciple time thing over there. I reckon there's two views that you could have of, of gathering as a Christian or EV youth, right? There's two different views. One view you could have is that you're a consumer of EV youth. So you treat youth like it's a hotel. So hotels, they're, they're a pretty fun thing. They're a fun thing to go to, right? Basically, you go to a hotel, you turn up, there's like a nice bed made up for you with blankets and sheets and blah, 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 ready to go, a little soap in a little piece of plastic. Everything's kind of laid out for you. Everything's done for you. You turn up, you just mess up that bed and pull back all the sheets and chuck it everywhere, sleep in it, use like all the different towels. You get like a face towel and another body towel. You stand on a towel. You just dirty as much stuff as you can. You can drink stuff from the fridge. What are you talking about? Isn't that what the towel's for? You. It's a face washer, isn't it? I don't know. Dude. You're laughing. Like, since I lost my hair, I've just got one thing in the shower. It's like soapy body stuff, and it just does my whole body now. I don't need, I don't need shampoo or fancy face washers. I just, it's all one purpose for me. All right. Anyway, so you get in there. You just use everything. You mess up the place, and you just walk away. You leave it in a mess, and you just go, sweet. Thank you, hotel. Maybe I'll come back here next week. Maybe I'll come back another place. I don't really care. Thanks for your service. That's not the attitude that we want to have towards gathering. <laughs> That's not the attitude we want to have towards gathering with God's people. We don't want to treat youth like a hotel. A better picture is that it's a home. So when you when you're at home, when you when you're a part of a home, it's not something that you consume. You're actually a part of it. It's important that you're there. It's a place that you love and the people there love you and you contribute to the running of that home. 
Uh, you serve there. If you see something that's kind of wrong or a bit out of place, you see a towel on the floor, you don't like, who the heck left a towel on the floor? You just pick up the towel because it's your home that you're in. When you're gone, people miss you. You don't consume in a home. You participate in a home. You help make it happen. And that's the picture I want you guys to have of youth, of this gathering, that it's a home, not a hotel. So there's two big reasons there for, for, for why church matters. Right? First of all, it matters for your sake, for your Christian life, and it matters for the sake of other people as well. It matters big time for them. Here's the third thing, though, and this thing is huge. This one's going to blow your mind, and this is why we didn't just have one passage that we're going to work through. I wanted to show you something big from the Bible tonight, and here it is. Church, thirdly, exists for God's glory, and ultimately that's why it matters. Now, rather than look at just one verse and see this idea, what I want to do is talk you through really the storyline of the whole Bible from beginning to end and the story of how the church is what it is today from where yeah, I'm going to take you. It's, it's going to be hectic. Strap yourself in and we'll go for it. Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> <We're> not, <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in Revelation. No, nah, not quite. <laughs> uh, Genesis chapter 1, right? God creates the world and he creates a man and a woman and he puts them in the world. And it's good. He creates them in relationship together. They're, they're mates with each other and, and they're friends with God in this place called the Garden of Eden. And it's good. He gathers them in. To this place, and it's kind of the way that God blesses people as He gathers them into the garden together with Himself. But they sin. In chapter 3, we know that they sin in the garden, they do the wrong thing, and so God judges these people that He's created right back there in the beginning of the Bible. And the way that He judges them is He scatters them, He breaks up the gathering, He actually sends them out of the garden where they originally started away from their land, away from God who's in the Garden of Eden, and they also get scattered away from each other. What's the sign that they're, they're kind of, there's some distance that's created between the man and woman? They're chilling naked before, and then suddenly like, oh, I'm naked, well, this is weird. And, and they, they feel self-conscious because suddenly there's a distance that's been created between this man and this woman, and so they're kicked out, they're separate from each other, and they're separate from God. Fast forward a little bit, Genesis chapter 11 Mankind's thinking they're pretty good, they're going pretty good. They're building this hectic tower called the Tower of Babel. Um, and the reason they're building it pretty much, it says, is to make a name for themselves. They're all getting on well together and there's this community of people in the world building this big tower. They're doing sick. They're trying to bring glory to themselves instead of to God by building this tower. And so God judges them in, in chapter 11. How does God judge them? They're getting together, doing all this stuff. His judgment is that he scatters them. So he confuses their language um, and he kind of scatters them out across the world uh, and they don't, he breaks up that community and breaks up their language and creates a language barrier. He scatters them. Skip forward ages. God creates this people called Israel. He creates a nation. He brings them together. He gives them a land. He gives them a king. It's a sweet place. So they're gathered into this sweet land in Israel, and things are looking good, but you guys, a lot of you will know this story. What do they do? They don't obey God. They sin. They stuff up over and over and over again, and so God makes a move to judge this nation, Israel, that he's created. How does God judge them? Come over to Ezekiel chapter 36. You'll see it there. They've done the wrong thing. They've been sinning. 
this nation that God's created. And so check out what God does about it. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 18. Is God talking? So I poured out my wrath on them because they'd shed blood in the land and because they defiled it with idols. This is what God did. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. So God judges once again by taking this people who were gathered together and he scatters them away from each other. He takes them into exile and sends them out all over the place. Now, if you're a little bit lost, here's the big point I want you guys to pick up so far. God blesses people through gathering them together as, as a group, as a community, and he judges them by scattering them away from each other. That's the repeated story throughout the whole Bible. Fast forward 600 years and you come to Jesus' time. I think this is the second last flick. Come to John chapter 11. A Jewish prophet guy called Caiaphas uh, has a prophecy about Jesus. He doesn't even know what he's saying, but he says some pretty incredible stuff about why Jesus is coming. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 51. Uh, Caiaphas did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together to make them one. So Jesus died on the cross to gather a people for himself. That's pretty big. So if you guys had hung around at, at Eva Youth long enough, you'd probably hear us say a whole bunch of times, and if, if you haven't been here for long, you'll hear us say this a lot, Jesus died on the cross to, to save you from God's anger at your sin. You've got a problem, it's sin, the solution is Jesus' death for you, and so you've got to put your trust in that. We'll say that over and over and over again, because the Bible says that, and it's true. But look at what John chapter 11 says about Jesus' death. It, just, it doesn't say Jesus died on the cross for you to save you from your sin. It says that Jesus died to gather together the scattered children of God, to save them, yes, but to save them as one group of saved people together. Jesus died to make this gathering happen, is what the Bible says. That's huge. Church exists because Jesus died to create it, to bring together this gathering once and for all, not to break it apart and scatter it again, but to bring it together and make it what it is. That's massive. And so lastly, come over to Ephesians chapter 3 with me. Now that Jesus has died to create this gathering that, it, that he's done in the church, uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 3 verse 10, check out what the church now is as it exists today. Uh, God's intent, verse 10, was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rules and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there's some weird stuff in that verse and some stuff that you just won't understand in the time that we've got. But basically what it's saying is that the very existence of the church, the church now, 
is a thing that displays to the world, to the universe, to the spiritual realm, whatever that is, what God has done through Jesus. The church is a display for the whole world to see what God has done. And so every time we as the church are gathered, you can just imagine God sitting there going, I did that, I made that through Jesus' death. Look what I've done. It's hectic. It's like, it's like the church is like a, a crazy, awesome painting that God has painted and he's showing it off the world saying, look at what I've done. Look at this thing I've made. It's like a trophy in Jesus' trophy cabinet that he's just going, check out this thing that we did. Check out the church. It's God's prize. It's God's display to the world of how good he is and what he's done. And so church is a big deal. The gathering is a big deal. It matters for your sake. It matters for your mate's sakes. And it matters for God's glory. Jesus died to create the church. And so do you value this gathering like Jesus does? Because it's pretty important. Now, the reality of what the church is should have a massive impact on the way you guys think about it and the way you guys act towards it. It should hugely shape us. I'm going to take us through three big kind of applications from all this stuff, uh, and then we're done. First of all, is a quick one. Make sure that you have been gathered in by Jesus. Make sure that you are actually a part of this thing, that you are a Christian. Right now on earth, church is a party centered around Jesus for God's glory right now. In the future, church, like someone said earlier, I think it was Celia, said, in the future, church will be a party centered around Jesus forever, in eternity, in heaven. <laughs> All you need to do to be a part of that gathering, to be a part of this thing, in not just in terms of attending it, but actually being a part of it, is to put your trust in Jesus. You don't need to become some good person who makes yourself good and gets rid of all the bad things in your life and fixes yourself up so you can be a part of this gathering that Jesus is making. Jesus has died so that you can be in this thing by trusting in him and not earning it yourself. So make sure that you put your trust in Jesus, that you are a part of this thing that God is doing in the world because it's huge. Secondly, if you're a Christian and EV Youth is the church that you attend, then it's the most important thing that you do in a week. It's the most important thing you do all week. It matters for your sake, it matters for the sake of others, and it matters um, for God's glory. So be committed to it. Don't rob your mates of yourself. When you're tired, still come. When there's something else on that sounds like it's going to be more fun, still come. <laughs> be committed to this gathering that Jesus has died to make happen. A guy called Jackson Steinbeck, a whole bunch of you guys might know him. He used to be a youth group kid, now he's a youth group leader. Some of you guys will be mates with him. Um, he's just a youth group kid who came for a youth a few years ago. And in, at the end of year 12, he said this quote, to every, like he said this to everyone uh, at the end of year party at youth group. He said that youth isn't the funnest thing that you could do on a Friday night. He's a pretty honest guy. He's like, it's not the funnest thing you could do on a Friday night, but it is the most important thing you can do on a Friday night. That's good advice. He's a good guy and that's good advice. <laughs> what are you loving it? 
Imagine Jackson saying that. All right, cool. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. This gathering matters. Matters a lot. Lastly, though, there's a spiritual reality that exists that is that we are gathered because Jesus has, has done it. And so whether in the same room or not, whether whatever, no matter how we act, it's a reality that just exists. But sometimes the way we act when we're together can make it seem like we're not a gathered, united bunch of people at all. Um, I reckon there's these big divides that exist within EV youth. There's heaps of them. Uh, whether you go to a Christian school or a public school, whether you're homeschooled or some other type of school, uh, what year you're in. Man, we, by the time you're in year 10, everyone's like, I'm in year 10, so you're not allowed to talk to me unless you're a year 10 girl and I'm a year 10 girl. And, and I'm a year 11 boy, so you can't talk to me. And, yeah, that's like the way you guys are rolling half the time is you're in these little cliques around the year and gender that you are in. Um, there's heaps of stuff. Maybe it's I've been around for a while and I'm new. So that means we don't talk to each other because i got all my friends already and I've been here for years and those people are new. And so there's all these crazy divides that exist in EVA youth. I want to encourage you guys to have proper relationships with each other that aren't just based around all these cliques and groups that exist here because I don't know how it happens, but it just is. And so I want to encourage you guys to, to, to work hard. Like have your good friends, have your close friends, but work hard at having this community and these relationships with everyone here at EV Youth because you've been gathered by Jesus' death for you. There it is. Let's pray and we'll finish up. Yeah, Father God, thank you so much uh, for Jesus and thank you for church. Thank you for this gathering here tonight and and. Lord, thank you that you've given us each other to look out for each other and encourage each other. Um, Lord, I pray that we would be an encouragement to each other. I pray that we'd value this this gathering here the way Jesus values it. And uh, and and Lord, uh, I pray that yeah, you'd continue to bring glory to yourself through Eva Youth. Amen.